Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. This July 4th weekend, put down the tongs, step away from the grill, and get to Burger King to try a grilled dog for just a dollar. Ask for the dollar grilled dog deal and get a classic grilled dog for a dollar. Only at Burger King. At participating restaurants on July 2nd and 3rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I'm Daniel LaRue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is the Southeast Division episode, so this is the off-season interview, season preview, just like the other episodes, and the Southeast has had a pretty solid amount of things happen, you know, from losing LeBron and getting back a lot of stuff from Miami to Lance Stevenson to the Hornets and a lot of other things, and so to have to break that all down, we have Arturo Galetti and Patrick Minton of BoxScoreGeeks.com, great site, and go into some depth on it, and we hit on some other stuff, but mostly we stay pretty pretty laser-focused on the Southeast Division. It was a lot of fun having them on. We get go into some good topics and some complicated things in this division just with how the mechanics could work, because this had four playoff teams last year, and so how all of that can happen, and conversation runs about 53 minutes. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy it, too. Thank you guys so much for coming on. You're welcome. So we're talking about the Southeast Division, and the way that I've been doing these podcasts is we start with an off-season review and then move into a season preview. Cool. And so in this division, who do you think got better and who do you think got worse? It's a really kind of weird division in the sense that the team that got worse and the team that got better might be the same. So it might be Miami that got worse and it might be Miami that got better. In the sense that, like, I, 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 you know, obviously they lost LeBron, and, and you can't recover from losing a player like that. But I actually like every other move that they make, made in the offseason, made some sense. I mean, they got some really good players cheap in free agency. They also got some really good rookies. So it, it's a weird team because you typically would expect them to get much, much worse losing a player like LeBron. But I do actually think that, like, if things break, you know, well, that team could actually be kind of good, right? Not great, but good. 
and it, it, it's, it's very weird. I mean, everybody else in that division, I mean, obviously the Hawks, if the Hawks can stay healthy, but we keep saying that. If the Hawks can stay healthy, the Hawks can be a really good team. But the Hawks never seem to stay healthy. It's, it's, they seem to have, like, you know, that the old, the, 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 the medical guy, staff that used to be in Portland seems to have moved on to the Lakers and the Hawks. I think Arturo and I disagree a little bit. I think that the that the Heat kind of lucked into a couple of their good moves. I, I really, I've said this before I'll, I'll, many times, I really dislike the Bosch extension. I think that's a horrible contract. For me, I think the obvious team that got much better was the Charlotte Bobcats. I think that you know the signings they've done, especially Lance Stevenson, are going to make a huge difference. And the Wizards, I think, got a little better, but with them it's really kind of hard to tell because I think you're still trying to figure out... It, you know, is John Wall improving? Is John Wall going to start making the types of impacts that people expect him to have? Or is he just kind of going to remain that sort of a little bit above average, but not fantastic player for the rest of his career? And then, you know, I think a lot of people are sleeping at, on the Hawks, uh, just like they did last year. Last year, um, we, we picked the Hawks to be a big over over the, the Vegas lines, and, and they missed it because of Horford going down. So I think, you know, this year is going to be the same thing. If Horford stays healthy, uh, it's much better than a 500 team, but I guess it's been tricky for Horford to do that the last couple of years, so who knows. The team that got worse by virtue of basically spending lots of money and yet not getting better is simply the Orlando Magic. Uh, they spent a lot of money on players that aren't going to move the needle, and they're still going to be a terrible team next year. So that's my kind of analysis of the Southeast. Were you guys surprised that the Magic spent so much money on guys that are substantially, you know, either at their prime or older, because that was what I wasn't surprised that they spent a lot of money. I was surprised at who they spent money on. Yeah, I mean, I I think they were at the point where, hey, maybe it's time to take the leap. And then if you look at the players they paid for, they're not the type of players that, you know, make a leap for you. The Orlando Magic is a team with some good young pieces, but they are not a team that's, you know, like Houston was a little while ago, where they say, okay, we're one good player away from being there. And certainly if that one player were going to make a difference, that one player would have to be a superstar. So it didn't make any sense at all to me to pay lots of money for Channing Frye, who've whom I've always thought is very overrated. I mean, he's a very good three-point shooter, but that's all he does. And I always I always kind of find it funny. I mean, everyone's looking for the next Kevin Love, and yet Kevin Love does... The thing that's unique about Kevin Love is that he does a lot of totally different things really well in the same package. And it's amazing that some people go out and try to buy a sort of poor man's Kevin Love by picking a player that does only one of those things good and doesn't good in any of the other things and somehow expect that that's going to actually work because that's not really how it works, right? I mean, if all you do is shoot threes, then that would be good if you were a shooting guard, but it's terrible if you're a power forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the problem with Orlando is Orlando is, it still kind of has this old mentality. Now, I like what they did in terms of clearing out the roster once they decided to do that a couple years back when they did the Dwight thing, but then, like, they kind of regressed back to this, oh, you know, let's find these overpriced veterans because, you know, we need these vets to win. And really, to the point, you're paying these guys who they're not, you don't expect them to be very productive, and, and what's the point? I mean, they're not going to put you over. And there were the, the the fun part is I mean there were there were much better players that were out there they could have gotten out and gotten, and they were people can't complain that there weren't players out to be gotten this this offseason there were I mean like there's teams who significantly got better I like the draft pick that they've done I've liked their center Bushwick is a good player I mean the thing is I'm not convinced that you know that you know actually I'm I'm I'm, I'm I basically think they're not going to be very good. Because they went out and, as you said, they signed guys that are overpriced, and that's not really something you want to do in the NBA. Yeah, it might move the needle like two games, right? But they paid a lot of money for those two games, which doesn't make yeah, any sense. But... You know, if you if you if you won 
56 games last year, it might be worth it to spend a lot of money to, to win 57, 58, 59. But if you won 28, 23 last year, you, get, you don't want to spend millions and millions of dollars to win 25 or 26. You know who, who, uh, who actually, somebody in that division did something we're talking about, which is we, we, we know that, like, this is what Washington, Washington didn't really have any draft picks. Washington went out and, like, got, like, some veteran players to add to their roster and kind of round it out. And they got added some, some good veteran productive pieces around the pieces that they had. And, and that's actually kind of a good move for them because they had a roster where it actually kind of made sense. They were already 40-45 win range. And if you add a couple other extra guys to the roster, then that actually makes some sense. But for Orlando, it's kind of like, you know, we're putting frosting on a, on, on a I'm trying to say this without, like, getting mature rating, on a turd sandwich, basically. The other question that I had with Orlando was that very recently they turned down a similar contract for Ryan Anderson that they gave to Channing Frye. How would you guys compare those two players? Because obviously they have both have health concerns and they do similar things, but how, how would you guys see those two comparing with similar contracts? I totally object to the idea that they do similar things. I mean, I think Ryan Anderson and, Glenn, and Channing Frye shoot similarly from beyond the three-point line. But that's totally where the comparison ends. I mean, Ryan, Ryan Anderson is actually a pretty good rebounder, especially offensive rebounder, and Channing Fry is not. <laughs> Ryan Anderson runs the floor pretty well and, and you know plays defense pretty well, and I don't think Channing Fry does that at all. I guess I just don't think the two are very comparable players. Yeah, and Ryan Anderson is a guy uh, who's, who's proven to be very productive in the right situation. I mean, obviously he had this horrific personal situation happened to him in the last year, which, you know, and even so, he was still a productive player. I would have much rather had him at the number you could have gotten him at the age you're getting him than Channing Frye. Yeah, and and let's remember, too, that, you know, at the time when Orlando decided not to pay him, there was no injury history, right? So if if you look back at when they made their decision, given all that they knew at the time, they should have signed him. Now, I don't, I don't hate the fact that they gave him away for uh, I think it was Gustavo Ivan, or, or, yeah. or however you pronounce his name. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very good at name pronunciation because I only watch five Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Arturo would know. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't hate that trade because Ion looked like a pretty good player, too. And at the time, Orlando was thinking, well, if we're not keeping Dwight, we don't need this player who's really good next to Dwight on our roster. But I still think that Ryan Anderson is a much better contract, a much better player than, than Channing Frye. He's certainly a better. I've got the shooting numbers in front of him. He's better, certainly a better three-point shooter, and certainly a better like uh, like stretch guy. If you want a guy to take stretch shots, he's actually one of the better ones in the league. So it, it, yeah, and, and because of the fact that he can offensive rebound, uh, yeah. Brian Anderson isn't useless inside the three-point arc either, which Channing yeah. Frye totally is, right? I mean, one of the things about Channing Frye is that if you do a pick-and-roll with Channing Frye, you're never doing a pick-and-roll. You're doing the pick-and-pop, and the defense knows it. Uh, yeah, it's just really easy to hedge against that. Basically, I've got I've got Ryan. I'm sorry, Channing Fry is below average uh, inside of nine feet. So basically, yeah, you know, actually inside of three feet, he's below average. So as you're saying, he you'd rather have Ryan Anderson because Ryan Anderson can not only shoot, but he can do like power forward things. I mean, yeah. he's not great at them, but he can do them. Yeah. And as you said, he's also what four years younger than Channing yeah, Fry. He's younger. You always and again, this is something like certain teams understand and certain teams don't. Is you always rather generally you want to have the younger player if you're going to sign him to a long term contract. Now, there are situations, like, when you are a team that's trying to win the title or, like, you're at that spot, then it makes sense to add, like, a Ray Allen type of player, but you don't want to build your team around older players. And, and when I say Ray Allen, I say a guy who is productive and older and has experience because that has real value when you are a uh, contender. 
But when you're trying to get there, it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, I think that when you talk about the long-term contracts and age, I think that the, the other exception is you ha- if you have an older player who's fantastic right now, you might be willing to pay him on a four-year contract because the deal you're getting like in the first two years before his production falls off the cliff is you know, worth the bad deal you're going to have in the last couple of years. The prime example in you know the next five to ten years is going to be LeBron James. Eventually, LeBron James is going to reach an age where you're going to say, well, he doesn't have four years left, but he's really good now and he's got maybe two years left. Well, and, there, and there's going to be a point where you're going to say, well, I'll pay him for four years because those first two years are such a great deal. I'm not going to care about the bad deal I'm getting in the second two years. A point I like to bring up to be shocking, but I've done an analysis for like every season we have salary data. One of the worst in-season salaries ever paid was like Michael Jordan's last year with the Bulls. Yeah, because that's if a great at, example. If you, look, if you yeah. look at that salary, that salary is the equivalent of something somebody getting paid $60 million now. You know, and... It, it wasn't that Michael Jordan wasn't a great player. It's just like nobody ever in the history of the NBA has been worth that kind of money. It, it, and, and I think it's, it's going to get to the point, as, as Patrick is saying, like, you know, even LeBron's not going to be worth this contract. And this isn't speaking bad of LeBron. It's just like, you know, there's, there's only like six or seven guys every year who are worth the max, right? And, and it's the rare older guy who's worth that. Well, I think that I think that we've established that there are actually a little more. There are a few more guys worth the max because of you know nowadays the salary cap has structured. The max is a lot lower than it's ever been as a percentage of the salary cap. So you end up in a situation where the superstars are all worth more than the max. But that that number is small. I don't think it's seven, but I think it's probably like twenty to twenty five players. Right. I'm I'm doing I'm I'm doing my Sloan paper this year on that. My numbers say it's six or seven. Well, wow, wow. I'm going to like to see the data on that. To continue on good examples for this, Kobe was another good example, which is why the irony of the two-year extension is crazy. But anyway, so Kobe was going to be paid $30 million in his final, which I believe was the seventh year of his contract. Now, you're looking at that and you're thinking that's a terrible contract because Kobe's like 35 years old and he's getting out. But the thing is, when he first signed the contract, and we've gone back and forth, I think Arturo also agreed with us at the time, that the the contract when they first signed it was a good deal for L.A. because the thing is the first three, four years of that contract, they got a good deal. Even though Kobe was making a lot of money, he was still a very good good player. So it was it was an okay – I think, it, I think it, we it came was, to the conclusion it was, it was an okay deal, not it was a great okay, part, it, right? it was It was okay because of the CBA, because of the fact that like yeah. that, that basically the Knicks and the uh, the Lakers – can afford to like pay people like you know they yeah. they can pay people and, they can they can pay people like you know you know how like you have to buy more expensive food in a, in a movie theater so it's it's the same deal you you, you they they can afford to pay like double the money on everybody and so it actually made sense now with the current CBA it doesn't make it makes absolutely zero sense it made zero sense to extend of course what, what no but here's the thing you know like and and Danny you've heard this this noise on Twitter from Laker fans which is like no they were showing loyalty to Kobe and we have to show loyalty to Kobe. Because if we don't show loyalty to Kobe, we're not going to be able to draw free agents to L.A. Well, guess what? We've gone through two off-seasons where basically like, people have been running away from the Lakers, and nobody signed. They had as much cap room as anybody. They had all the cap room in the world. Nobody came to Los Angeles. Nobody. Like The, the, Clippers, had, the Clippers had a better off-season. Uh, and they had, the Clippers, who had no cap room, managed to get a guy who was like, one of the best, like, the best big-man shooter in the game besides Kevin Love, probably Spencer Hawes. And, like, he wound up on the Clippers, not the Lakers, right? So every single thing that, like, the, the Laker fans will argue about that contract, it makes no sense. Like, nobody's coming. Like, paying Kobe made no sense, not even from, like, building a goodwill for the organization because people are leaving, not staying. Powell's not there anymore. Powell could have stayed, but he didn't. 
the crazy thing is, if Dr. Buss was still alive, I think that you might be able to make the argument that the mystique of the Lakers would be there. But what happened is you combined Kobe getting that big money with Jim Buss having it, and you get a narrative that maybe this ownership isn't as committed to winning and as they were. And there's this weird thing going on now where, like, you know, there's a lot of weird injuries going on in that locker room. And, and you know, it's like it's getting to the point where, like, you know, is there something wrong with that medical staff as well? So it's it's yeah you know there's there's all these things going on that make it like less attractive. We've gotten a bit off point. Do we want to get back on to the uh, the the Southeast? Yeah, yeah. Well, the next question is who do you think is the best newcomer to his team in this division? Uh, I think that is without a doubt Lance Stevenson for the uh, Charlotte Bobcats. I think that among our group we were kind of well we were disappointed for many reasons that Paul George got hurt. But the big reason I was disappointed that Paul George got hurt is I thought there was a huge opportunity to make a lot of money on betting the under on Indiana this year and betting the over on the Bobcats. And the primary thing is that I think that you know, everybody kind of thought okay it's bad that we're losing Lance Stevenson, but I think that. The odds makers greatly sort of underestimated the impact that's going to have. He was, in reality, he was Indiana's best player last year, uh, not Paul George. And 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 when Paul George went down, it was kind of like, okay, now the odds makers have to admit that the Pacers aren't going to be that good this year. But I mean, Lance Stevenson is going to be a huge difference maker on that team. There's there's no question in my mind. He's probably probably the second best shooting guard in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked, I, I, I agree with everything that uh, Patrick just said about Lance. Lance, I think, is very underrated. They, they, and that team, that that was a team that had like, like almost nothing at that shooting guard spot. They, they were, they were, they're not good. I mean, Charlotte. I, I used to joke. There's a saying in Spanish which says like, "No lo puedo meter en el océano," which means like you're standing in front of the ocean and you can't make, you can't make a shot in the ocean. And that was, that, that was Charlotte last year. Now again, I don't know. If Lance is going to help them, so I think that's actually kind of good. And and uh, I think you know, looking at the other teams, I like I like Paul Pierce on the on on, on the Wizards simply because that because I, I do think that there's something to be said for having a veteran leader on the floor who will possibly ignore the bad decisions being coming in from the coach and kind of put some thought into that. They've got they've got Pierce and Andre Miller on that team, who's like who who kind of up the smarts on that team and actually makes it a lot better. So I like I, I like that not just. I mean, I think Pierce is productive, but I do think having somebody who knows what to do on the floor is going to be really important for that that team. They they do a lot of dumb things on the running offense and, and defense on that team. Do you just like Paul Pierce because he's a Celtic? Well, no, I, no, I actually not more than that. Like I've watched enough. <laughs> and, and Danny, back me up here. You watch the Wizards. You know the Wizards like do uh, like unexplicably dumb things on offense on the floor. Of course, they're coached by I, Randy I, Whitman. <laughs> Yeah, I can completely vouch for that. So it's like I'm saying, I'm saying that there's something to be said. But it's a Jason Kidd on the Knicks thing. We're like, you have somebody like gonna go like, yeah, the coach has called this play. No, 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 we're not gonna run that. That's that's not what, that's, that's like no, no, no. We're calling our own play down here. No, no, that makes no sense. It's like, Phil, you you stand over there in the corner. We'll get you the ball. Don't worry. It's like ah. the other huge perk with that is I don't worry about that as much with Wall on the floor, though. Obviously, the offense still had those Whitman moments when Wall was on there. And I guess with I kind of like the idea of Pierce and Miller playing some minutes together. I think that just could be an inter. They could do some weird stuff with that. I also, I'm going to be fascinated to see if they fiddle with Pierce playing any power forward because we saw that with the Nets last year. Yeah, I do think I like the fact that all they also added like guys like Chris Humphreys and, and Dewan Blair. I, I actually like really like what they did uh, in the post. They, they have like a series of really productive guys out there on in the post, which is going to be yeah, really. Yeah, they've got a surprisingly deep team. Yeah, they they added they they've got they added it's like so it's Andre Miller who they added like the end of last year they've got Pierce Blair 
Humphreys. We know that the Wizards read our stuff, you know. <laughs> so we, Well, uh, I, 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 I don't think letting Ariza go was wise, uh, assuming they had a, the well, option. I- uh, keep him uh, and and the other and the other thing too is you know I think it's a, little, a bit of a problem that teams like in the past like the Trailblazers and the Nuggets have had where having a deep roster full of above average players is good and it will win you lots of games but it won't get you very far in the playoffs because in the playoffs you need to have basically the five best players maybe the six best players are all that really matters once you get to the playoffs. You know, if your six best players are all sort of above average, it, basically you're playing against a team who has a great starting five and their reserves suck. It's not going to matter because you're not going to get to play against those sucky reserves. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I do agree with the fact that like the problem with that Wizards is, is going to be the coaching because I, to your saying, to your point, it's like they might not have their five best guys on the court mm-hmm. at, at, in crunch time, and, and there's a real risk of that because. You know, it's it's you know we we know Nene's been really good, but but he hasn't been great recently. He's been like he hasn't been great. So it might be a situation where like Gortat, Chris, Chris, Gortat and Humphreys might be their best uh, four and five combo. I and, think we've reached the point in time where we just have to admit with Nene that it's it's age that he's that the old Nene is not going to come back. Yeah, the old Nene doesn't exist anymore. So I mean, like their crunch time, their best crunch time five might be Wall, Miller, Pierce, Gortat, and Humphreys. Right or actually, Gort- if Humphreys and Gortat, that might be their their best crunch I five. I don't know that I necessarily see them playing that. And the other thing I don't know is I don't know that again. I don't trust Randy Whitman to to like. It's like I I always the analogy I always use is like if you guys ever played Street Fighter, it's the guy who says like I'm going to play Ru and Ken, but I'm not going to use fireballs and uppercuts because those are like <laughs> those those that that's too easy. I'm going to win by making it hard. So like I can't have Wall driving the basket or Gortat post up. Or like Beal just shoot threes. I can't do that. That's too easy, and that's the problem I have with the Wizards. That's like, actually what? a great analogy, given that Whitman is famous for the guy who told Kevin Love not to shoot threes. It's like no, no, that's too easy. <laughs> you can't win that way. That's not cool. We can't do that. It's like what are you doing, man? It's like you... and Danny, as a, as a Wizards fan, will understand. It's like you watch these games, and I always say it's like I don't. I watch these Wizards games, and, and I won't understand how they actually lost the game. Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, and and the other, what makes them different as somebody who covers the Warriors but also used to cover the Wizards, the Warriors fell apart a lot last season because they hadn't, nothing made sense when they took Curry out because they usually put a bunch of backups in and nobody could generate offense. The Wizards would sometimes have a similarly bad stretch, except that they would have their starters in and you'd just be sitting there like, what the heck just happened? It was just well, no, the but concept of it. They would, but with Pierce and Miller, that shouldn't happen. You're like, no. As much. What, happen, what would happen typically is they, they, they'd get Beal shooting like, like mid-range jumpers or Wall shooting mid-range jumpers or, or Beal driving towards the basket. And you'd, you'd be like, but, but Gortat and Nene are right there. Why aren't you just going to the post or shooting three? Uh, I, I don't want to get into the whole Whitman thing. But like it, that's, that's, honestly, I would argue that he is, the, is – do we kind of think that he's the worst coach in the league? Would anybody argue against that uh, if I said that? I I think I, I think I need to think about I it. I think I need to think about it too, but I uh, yeah I think he probably is. I mean, I, unless I unless somebody was, gives Kurt Rambis another shot or Maurice it, it, Cheeks. It's him. It's Dwayne Casey. Wait, Maurice Cheeks isn't working anymore anymore, is he? Because he would definitely be my guy. But, no, he's not. I don't think he, he, yeah. he definitely. I'm just trying to make sure job. he wasn't you know sneakily rehired by somebody that <laughs> didn't know about it. Yeah, he's he's the assistant on the bench for flip. Ugh. Don't even start. That sounds that sounds right. <laughs> no, I don't. You know what? I know that's not true because I know he's not one of Flip's drinking buddies. So 
That can't be. Oh, he's not a member of the gentleman's club. Next question is the rookie. Not that you think it's going to be the best, because I think that's a silly question, but the rookie that you are most excited to see play in the Southeast division. Oh, wait, in the Southeast. You're going to make me look up who drafted who. Damn it. Uh, no, I've got it. <laughs> I, I can actually start. I've got it in front of me. I actually, I'm really interested to see Ken Birch play. Ken Birch is in, and, and some of the, he, I've got him rated as a 99.7 in the NCAA. He's got that, he's got that Kenneth Fareed profile. It'd be interesting to see what they do with him in Miami. And, uh, you know, Miami does these things that lead me to think that they're somewhat of a smart organization. I'm kind of really interested to see what they actually have in him. And he actually will get – I do think he'll get some playing time on that team because he's got, he's got McBob and, and Haslam, Haslam in front of him. And while I'll see, I'll see McBob like kind of play more uh, minutes than him, but I, I don't see Haslam playing that many minutes. So I think Birch, even though he's kind of a, a, he was undrafted, I do think he, there's a chance he, he gets some run on that team. The other rookie I'm excited about actually is the other Miami rookie. I want to see Napier play. That's the other. Uh, so I actually, I thought Miami did the best job of draft in that division. Even though they, they didn't have a lot of draft assets, I thought they did really well. I actually, uh, I just figured, I, I just jogged my memory. I know exactly who I want to see there, and it's probably a surprise to everybody. That's going to be Mike Muscala. I don't know if any of the listeners are readers of the Wages of Wins, but uh, about a year or two ago, we did the, we did kind of a series on, like, finding the next Jeremy Lin, where the idea was find players in college that aren't on anyone's radar uh, that are going to make big impacts in the NBA, and Muscala was one of them. He was a great college player, and 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 he he wasn't he didn't immediately stick with an NBA team uh, when he came out. And I think that he's can I tell you that? something? I rated him as a ninety for his playing time in the ACB. So he played in uh, in Europe. He played for yeah. I've got it. I was actually looking him up, so I know this. Uh, he was playing for Obrai Obradoiro. Yeah, he's, he's in, one of those guys. He's one of those guys, like one of my all-time favorite college players, John Bryant, who, you know, just had dominant numbers in college, but not for, um, you know, A, wasn't like a huge point scorer, and B, wasn't playing for a, a you know, a, a Final Four team or something. He just wasn't on anyone's radar. And I think he he has the potential to be a huge surprise. And I think the problem he has is he's on a he's on a team with, uh, you know, Dexter Pittman and Adrian Payne and other young, like, big men that all... Are going to fight for minutes and it's all the, who it's, it's, it's the hawk. He's got Elton Brand, Perro Antic, and Al Horford photos. There's a chance one of those guys is going to go down again. He's yeah, but he's also got you know rookies fighting for the same position, right? So and yeah, rookies who Muscala, were drafted Muscala. higher and where the coach has pressure to play them. I, I, I do think, think that they, they have shown the tendency to play guys that have some experience and like he's bringing. He did play in the ACB last year. So there's there's a shot that he actually plays. I I, I like that. I, I kind of like I, that. I think he could really be like a Mason Plumley type that kind of nobody's thinking about him, but it, you know after two three months suddenly the team's like, wow, we got to give this guy minutes. We got to we got to work him in somehow. Uh, I think that he's exactly that type of kind of player. He should have changed his name from Mike to Miguel. He should be Miguel Muscala, and just like you know because he played in Spain, and so they would think he's European, and that that way he'd get more playing time. <laughs> The other two guys that I wanted to mention, one of them came up in the conversation, is Adrian Payne. I think it's going to be fun to see what he can do. And then the other guy, he wasn't the highest drafted guy in this, but I'm fascinated just from all perspectives to see if P.J. Harrison can make it work. He's not going to get much playing time, but I really like his physical profile, and it'll take him a little while to figure it out. But I feel like three years from now, he could end up being a pretty yeah, solid Payne, player. Yeah, Payne was actually pretty good. He was decent in the NCAA. He was like, I got him a 76. Uh, and then Harrison was like, 
about a 48 in in Europe. But you're saying, as you're saying, like you know, he's he's a younger player, so it's it's it, it's a perspective thing. That that team is going to give him a chance to figure it out, hopefully. So the the last category is for the off season review is any other transactions you saw, but there are two that I two things that I wanted to mention. They're both in the same team, so it'll be one discussion. Is Dang and McRoberts on the Heat. I think both those contracts are interesting. And while I really didn't like the Bosch extension, as Patrick already mentioned, I think that both of those moves make them much more competitive in the short term. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Arturo said. You cannot replace LeBron, but the, those two players do a really good job of keeping them competitive. Uh, I think, especially especially McBob. I think he's been an underrated player his entire career. He's really a very productive kind of power, small forward type of guy. And, you know, pretty athletic, good shot blocker, good rebounder, uh, knows how to pass. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't fit the yay, scores lots of points model. So he's always been underrated. You know, I thought, was what was it, three years ago when he was on the Lakers where uh, I thought, you know, why isn't he getting playing time? I think that he makes kind of a big difference. And, and, and frankly, um, this a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this. I already anticipate Miami Heat fans burning down the house. But if they hadn't signed Bosch, they'd have been better off because it, it would have forced them to play McRoberts a huge load of minutes at the power forward, and that would have been a great benefit to them. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm, I'm, in the same school, I'm in the same place you are because I think the, the thing is, and, and I've been doing a lot of shot analysis, which shows that you know Chris Bosch is actually really good at mid-range shots and like longer mid-range shots and the problem with that is that's great but that's the worst shot that there is in the NBA so he's good at that one but there's not a real value he's also older and like you know it's really hard for me to think that he's going to go back to being the guy he was in Toronto yeah right? that's, so it, 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 it's <laughs> that's basically, the thing that's amazing to me is all the people that are expecting you know but, 2007 Bosch but the thing the thing is he's still honestly if you think about it he's still a Top five, top ten, top ten center because there aren't that many great centers in the league anymore. So he's he's decent. So sure. that I'll defend the contract in the sense that like it's probably I, they would have been better off moving him for something else. But given the fact that the salary cap is probably going to double in the next you know four or five years, it it won't end up. It's like imagine you're getting Chris Bosh in five years for ten million dollars a year now, which you know so if that's not terrible and it's probably going market rate for what you would get for him. So it's not a terrible deal. Again. Besides the Bosch deal, everything else in Miami did I, did, did I like because I like Napier, I like Ken Birch, I like uh, McRoberts, I like Luol Deng. I mean, even though Luol Deng was terrible last year with Cleveland, but he's been kind of a guy who does stuff. And on this team, we're like, you know, you have guys who will do the offensive part, and all he has to do is defend and, like, pass the ball and get rebounds. And, yeah, you know, I mean, if, if Wade's anything and, and Napier's anything, then you've got something like it'll be Napier, Wade, Dang, McRoberts, and uh, Bosch, with the possibility of somebody like Ken Birch or somebody like some of the other guys they have on that roster kind of being good. I do agree that if they got, I'd be more bullish on this team if they if they move Bosch for something, right? And 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 I'm not crazy about it. I, I I think they're, I think they actually, honestly and truly, I think they probably should be favored to win this division. The more I, and I spent some time looking, at, or they should be. They should be in the mix. I was initially, initially I had them out of the, out of the playoffs. But the more I look at it, the more I kind of think that they'll be there. I mean, I, again, out I, of I was, the playoffs. That's crazy. I was, I was, I was if you assume that Wade, the Wade is 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 the guy we've been getting the last few years who hasn't been able to stay healthy, uh, and the fact that they've lost, like the history of guys lo- like losing top three, top five guys in their prime, 
then yeah, you know, you, you know, you'd be thinking they're in the four, they're in the forty range, like in in that range. I I do think they're they're more in the forty, forty four, forty five range. I don't think I actually it's interesting. I don't think I don't think whereas we've seen wins teams with thirty five wins make the playoffs in the East. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I really don't think that's going to be. the oh, case. Oh, I think I think it is. I think you're going to. I mean, if you look at each division, look let's look look at the Central. Like the Bulls and the Cavs are locks, but all three of the other teams are could, think, you I know think, are easily I, in the 30s. You, were, you, you look at the under, uh, the Atlantic. You, were, you got the Raptors and the Nets. You're underrating. You're underrating the following fact, which is like historically, if you look at like expected points per shot, so that's shot selection. I, I believe it's five of the top six teams of all time have been Stan Van Gundy teams. Stan doesn't let his teams take bad shots. And that actually is worth something like, probably like around two points in point margin. So if that team was a 35-win team, that's already a 45-win team. Just on the fact They that were they, a 29-win team, though. Well, yeah, but, the, but, but Gundy, <laughs> just that, I actually do think that team got better. So I do think that team's going to be in the 500 or slightly better range. So you, that's, that's three teams in the 500 range. I do think... You know, you've got the Wizards, you've got Toronto, you've got a couple of teams in this direction. I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, Arturo. What I'm saying is that you've got like you've probably got four teams in the East that are kind of locks to be 50 win teams, and everybody else is going to be going. You know, everybody else we, in the let, playoff let, picture is going to be. Let, it's going to be an issue of who can break to, into 45 wins. You want to list those? You want to list those four teams? See if we're in the same place. It's the Bulls, the Cavs, the Wizards, and the Raptors, right? Yeah, I think that's about right. Yes. Yeah. Danny, do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm. I'm not completely sure that the Wizards are going to win 50, though. I, I yeah, think I, that. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. That makes it even more I mean, likely that yeah. a 45 win team is a lock to win the playoffs to be in the playoffs, right? Yeah. What, I, what I, I'm saying is that beyond like the let's let's put it this way beyond the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Raptors, the East is a cluster. Uh, like <laughs> spot, spots spots four through ten are going to be dogging it out, right? It's it's kind of similar to the way the West was. Yeah, I think I think I think three think, great teams and then a bunch of teams dogging it out. I think the Hawks, the Hawks, if healthy, can be a fifty-one team, but but it's the Hawks, it's the Hawks. So they're always not healthy. So it's like, but they could be a fifty-one team if they're healthy. I think after that, you're right. I mean, after that, I think it it does get kind of falls off the cliff. Whereas you know we we were arguing about this in another podcast. I think the twelfth best team in the in the West could probably make the playoffs. Would, would not probably would make the playoffs in the East. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I mean, assuming the injury stuff balances out, but that leads us pretty well into into talking about the season preview. We've already gotten into it a little bit, but how would you rank these teams one to five? So uh, I think it, it, it's a little rough, but I mean, if I look at kind of what we've seen and what we've talked about and what I like, you know, even though, as I said, I liked everything that Miami did, right? But even though I liked everything that Miami did, losing LeBron, like when you lose a guy like LeBron, it's really, 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 really hard. So right now, I'd probably say that I'd rank the Wizards first in this division. I think I'd rank the Hawks second, even though the Hawks are kind of the high variability team and they're always a high variability team. I think I'd have Miami third and I'd have the Bobcats fourth. And I'd have Orlando way, way behind in fifth. And I think that the reason I have the Bobcats so low is you know, they did lose some, they, you know, I, they did lose McBob. They added Lance, but they lost McBob. So it's kind of, you know, what are they going to be? I, I do think they're going to be around. I, I, think, I think only one team in this division doesn't go above 500. I think every team in this division, except for the Magic, is going to be above 500. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it, I'm tempted to say, can I just declare a four-way tie for first place and then Orlando Magic is at number two? Because it's, I mean, I, if I had, to, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to put the Wizards first, and then I'm going to put the Bobcats, then the Hawks, then the Heat. But I really think that the fourth-place team in that division is going to be one or two games behind the first-place team. Yeah, the I think fourth, it's going to be the, really close. The fourth-place the fourth team in this division would win the Atlantic. Not over the Raptors. Ah, uh, that's true. They, they, would finish, uh, yeah. they, they would finish. They would finish second. They would finish second. Yeah. That's, that's true. I forgot about the Raptors. Uh, yeah, uh, the point I, I, I stick by it. Like I think every single team in in the in the in the southeast, other than Orlando, is going to be in that like forty two to forty seven win range. Yeah, and and, 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 and so and, the, the fourth place team could easily be like you know two games back from first. Yeah, I do think one of these four teams will win fifty games. And again, it's going to be a little bit luck of the draw. It's like who's healthy. So I could see Miami winning fifty games if. If certain things break their way, I could see Charlotte winning 50 games. I could see Atlanta winning 50 games, and I could see Washington winning 50 games. I don't see all four of them winning 50 games. I think I think one of them does that. I think they're going to be like you know they'll, they'll be close to 50. Another team will be like in the 45, 48 range, and then one will be closer to the 41, 45. It's just it'll depend on how injuries break and how things break out. They're they're very kind of bunched together in terms of the quality of those rosters. Right. Yeah, and I think if if you if we're looking at Vegas bets or I am right now, and I'm looking at the Atlanta Hawks eight to one to win that division, and I think that's a good bet because yeah, uh, looking at it, I'm just saying, well, I got four teams, and I think each of them has a twenty five percent chance. So if yeah. you want to give me eight to one on any of them, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. This is one of those divisions where you're looking at it and going like, yeah, anybody but the Magic could win this division. How how high would the odds have to be for you to take a gamble on Orlando winning the division? Twenty to one. Really. Twenty to one. Yeah, because they just, Vegas is they, giving you sixty to one. Well, I think I think that might be attractive because here's here's the thing. I do think that there's a world where like the Magic, the Magic have a bunch of young players, so like there's there's a world where they 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 go you know Bushevik and uh, and uh, Old Depot and uh, who's the other one? Alfred Payne was the other who's the rookie. There's a world where that Tobias Harris. Tobias? They have a million. Guys. Yeah, but see the thing is, I, I think there is a world where that exists, but I don't think that that world is a, has a five percent chance of happening. But at, but at sixty to one, yeah. But you said twenty to one. <laughs> yeah, I think I think again the problem. The thing is that every other team in front of them, like there's like we know that Orlando, that we know that Atlanta's an injury risk. We know that Miami's an injury risk. We know that Charlotte. Yeah, but again, it's a parlay, right? You have to have so many things line up, right? And 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 parlays combine to make exponentially bad odds. Like yeah, I, think, I think I think I think if you gave me sixty to one on Orlando, I'd say eh, that's. Hundred to one in Orlando, maybe I'd consider it. But even then, I think it's a kind of a low margin, high variance bet, which not it's not the kind of thing I'm really interested. Yeah, that in. roster, I, I, that, I'm roster. I'm looking at a simple projection I have in front of me. I have them at 25 wins right now, about 25. Uh, and and again, we're saying the variability is about eight wins, so we're saying they'd have to go two standard deviations. Yeah, yeah, probably 60 to one's probably right because they'd have to go. They'd I'd, I'd have to see them go to like. They'd have to get something like 42, and everybody else would have to crap out in that division. Yeah, that's the thing. You'd have to get really lucky yeah. to get 42, but then also, you know, really lucky four more times to have four other teams that don't beat 42. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, and actually, I mean, what's it's interesting really is, crazy. I, I think Washington is actually very smartly built in the sense that, like, Washington is built in such a way that even if they have, like, three, three catastrophic injuries, the guys who are coming off the bench are pretty good. Like, you know, yeah. if, 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 if Nene's out, then it's Chris Humphreys, and, and you're, not, you're not losing that much. If... You know, there's there's guys who are behind. Like Otto Porter should be something at some point, right? So there's even guys. There's 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 actually some depth in that roster. It's actually, you know, the coach is crazy, but there's some depth that even if if he's crazy, they should be able to kind of figure it out. 
Yeah, when you talk about long shots, what you're looking for is a, is a division where you know there's only one clear contender, and if that contender collapses, anything kind of goes. Which is that was kind of the case last year with the Atlantic. We put money on, you know, we put money on uh, the Toronto Sixers, and Philly. The Sixers, the Celtics, and Toronto's because everything was about well, if the Nets collapse, it's an open game, right? And that's exactly what happened, right? The Nets kind of collapsed under the weight of age and injury, and Toronto just bumped in there. Yeah, we'll move on. We've already hit on it a little bit, but how many teams from this division make the playoffs? Three. Uh I think yeah. I mean, I think I actually might be willing to go as high as four in this division. Because it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be three, and then the fourth team, like the fourth team, is gonna be fighting for that eighth playoff spot. Uh, because think about it, it's like the Atlantic's gonna give us one, right? So we'll get one from the Atlantic, we'll get two from the two or three, we'll get three from the Central, right? And then we'll get, we still got four to go, so I think we'll get four from this one, just by the uh, I, I think I think you're underestimating a little bit the Knicks. I think the Knicks are gonna be in that 41, 42ish uh. range. I, it's, I think I'm, I'm saying three because I think, as I said before, saying, spot, spots three I'm, through ten are going to be a dogfight. So. I'm saying the fight for the eighth spot is going to be the Knicks, the Pistons, and whoever the fourth team in this division is. That's going to be your fight for – that's going to be your fight. Actually, yeah. and, and the Nets, I think the, the, I would throw the Nets in there too. So the Nets and whoever is the fourth team from this division might, might right. be Miami, might be Charlotte, right? So I actually do think the, the first round series could be really interesting. Uh, well, see, I guess where I'm coming from is if you're going to say that, you know, this is a team where we got four teams in that 42 to 47 range, that means that in order for four teams to make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat up on all the, like, and the eight teams, other eight teams in the other two divisions. And I just don't see that happening because there's a lot well, of, no. there's a lot of like 40 win teams in there too. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm assuming, I'm, I'm assuming that the, I'm assuming that the, I'm assuming that the magic are going to be less than 25 wins. I'm assuming the Celtics are going to be less than 25 wins. I'm assuming that the Sixers are going to be less than 25 wins. I'm assuming, the, I'm assuming those three teams are going to be completely in the tank. Sure. Really going out on a limb there with the Sixers. Yeah, at, yeah. Least, <laughs> at least those three. And then, like, what is Milwaukee? Is Milwaukee going to tank this year again? Okay, I think again, you got, you, got, you got 15 teams, right? So, you, no. I mean, you need more than just the three, four losers in order for four teams in that. I just don't see it happening. I think that, the, like, the eighth-place team in the playoffs is going to be, like, 43, 44 wins. So, I mean, there's, there's just going to be enough parity in the East that I don't see four teams in the Southeast getting in because had, in order for that had, to happen... They had, they had four teams last year. Yeah, sure. They had, but they had I, four teams last year, we think... Do we think they okay? So, so let's walk through. We had four playoff teams in this division. We had Atlanta. Yep. Did Atlanta get worse or better this year? I think Atlanta got better. Mm-hmm. Did Charlotte get worse or better this year? They got better. Did the Wizards get better or worse? They got better. So the Miami's the only one who didn't get better, but we think they still had it. So that's what I'm saying. The, the three teams that were in the playoffs are still in the playoffs, but and then Miami. In, in, in isolation, looking at each team, I agree with you. But I'm just saying, at the end of the year, if you look at what everyone's going to have done, I think it's going to be mathematically incredibly improbable that four teams make the make the playoffs. Yeah. The, the way that I'd phrase it is that I think that this division has four of the best eight teams in the conference. Yeah. But just by the law, just by even the likelihood of injury, it, it, that I think one of them is going to fall off. So if yeah. I were to make a prediction on just number, it would be three. We're going to be wrong about one of them. Is basically what I'm saying. I don't I yeah. can't tell you yeah. which one, but we are. I like. I would set huge amounts of money on the fact that we will be wrong about one of these four teams. Yeah, again, it comes down to the fact that I think the the one that's the most likely to miss the playoffs is the Heat, 
And I like I like Spolstra. I think Spolstra does a really good job. I think they've done a decent job of that. Even even if they have some catastrophic injuries, I think that team. I don't I don't think there's a way that team doesn't win 40 games. Even and just because I think that they they're coached well and they have a decent roster and they do things smart, right? So they they take smart shots and they play smart defense. So I it, it's hard for me to see a world where that team's winning 35 games and missing the playoffs, right? And that's why because I think everybody else in that division. I mean, even Charlotte. Charlotte's, Charlotte's actually a, a pretty well-coached team. And the same thing with Atlanta. Same thing with, like, the Wizards. Well, except for the Wizards. Wizards are not smartly coached. But the Wizards actually, like, seem to have put together a really deep roster. So this is why I'm kind of going for because I think that it's going to be really hard for, for one of these teams to, like, to drop out. And the most likely one is the one that I think is actually pretty well-coached. Yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely a fair argument. I just think, yeah, as the other reason why I would say three instead of four is because you know that Orlando is not going to come up, or not, you don't know it, but it's very unlikely if, that Orlando is going to come up from the bottom and bail bail it out in case somebody watches. Keep, keep in mind, like, the, the Pacers lost their chair, and I think that's because I wasn't there before the Paul George injury, but once Paul George went down and you assume that the Pacers are out of the dance too, then it's really hard for me to say, like, you know, are there two teams moving up that are knocking two of these, like one of these teams out? Right, because like you know, one of them's gonna get somebody's gonna get the Pacers chair, right? And so, well, what about Detroit? Well, no, I'm assuming Detroit's gonna get the Pacers chair. So, so okay, I, I think so, the Knicks get the Pacers chair. Ah, uh, so, so 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 you're saying the Knicks are gonna be the Knicks or the so basically the Knicks and the and the Pistons have to be better than two of these teams, and I don't see that. Yeah. I, I really I, have I a think, hard time seeing that. I think the Knicks or the Pistons will be better than two of those teams. But but not both of them. Uh. Okay, well, we'll move on anyway. I think we, That's I think fine. we have it. So the last question in terms of this, and obviously we can hit on other things if you want, is what players do you think are going to break out? And I'm letting people say either in terms of fame or production, but basically people that are going to be breakout players that we'll be talking about differently a year from now. Uh, does Lance Stevenson count? I mean, I he like, he didn't make the All Star yeah, game, so I yeah. Feel like he broke out last year, but he still got tons of disrespect and a, a sort of a sort of unwillingness to believe that it, he was the real deal. And then, uh, you know, lots of lots of stuff about his attitude and, 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 you know, his cockiness and stuff, which I feel like, you know, I feel like that's the kind of thing that fans give the established stars all the slack in the world on, but they didn't give him any because he was the new kid on the block, and so he didn't, quote-unquote, deserve it yet. I, I think that he's probably going to have a huge... Uh, breakout year. I can't really think of, I mean, I can think of other players that are going to make impacts uh, and be very productive, but I'm not sure that they're going to, you know, get the public's attention that way. Again, there's always the possibility that John Wall finally makes the big leap and becomes not just an above average point guard, but really an established, like, great point guard where people don't, you know, where people say, oh, he's like one of the five best in the league or something like that. That's a possibility, but I think that's a possibility we've all been sort of all sitting on and waiting for for two or three years, and it hasn't happened yet, so I'm not going to predict that it's going to happen this year. You know, if Dwayne Wade was alive, if, if old Dwayne Wade was alive, this would be the season for Dwayne Wade to basically say, screw it, we're winning 50 games. Because he, if he turns in a season like he did in 2007 or 2006 – then Miami's a 51 team, right? But I don't know that that Dwayne Wayne exists. You know, I, I heard this interview where you say, like, did you work on your three? And yeah, I didn't work on the three on the offseason. So I don't know. I mean, if, if, if Wade was Kobe, like, he would have, like, spent the offseason training and getting himself, like, like kind of like LeBron did, getting, getting himself in much, much better shape and just showing up and just destroying people. Because Dwayne Wade 
he was one of the top five players in the league. And if he did that, then it would just remind everybody that, you know, he is that guy. Again, if, if Miami won 50 games this season, then Wade would seriously have to be considered an MVP candidate. But I don't know that's going to happen. I think I, I like the, the John Wall discussion simply because I do think that that team's going to be good and he's going to be the guy who's going to get the credit. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to deserve the credit, but he's going to get the credit. And I think that's, those are my two candidates. I would, re- I would really like for, for Dwayne Wade to do that, but everything I've heard from him like, hasn't kind of reflected that he got himself in the shape he needed to get himself to do that. I don't think he's going to put it together for a season, but I think Bradley Beal is going to do something this year in a single game or a small stretch that's going to make people take notice. And I think one of the things that's come out during the season, you brought up Wade, is just how bereft the shooting guard position is. And I think there will be a stretch where people are going to go, hey, think about Bradley Beal. And the stat that I threw out there earlier this week is that when this season ends, not when it starts, Bradley Beal is going to be about the same age that Clay Thompson was when he played his first NBA game. Wow. Yeah, and I think I, I love Beal coming out of college. Uh, I, I, I complain that he's badly used on this team. And <laughs> he, 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 no, he, no, I'm just laughing because we're back to Randy Whitman again. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, really, he's really good at certain things, but like they, they haven't kind of like let him thrive. And, I, you know, I, I want to see this team succeed because I like the players on this team, even Wall, even though I have been, but uh, I, just, I just worry that, it's just they're never going to be able to put it together. You know, it's it's the Wizards, and I don't really trust their coach at all. So this is why I say, like, I think they should be better. But, but I, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm rooting for Wade, but I don't think that's going to happen. It would be, it would be really, really great if the, the, the thing with Wade happened because it would give us another great team, and it would make for, I would imagine, a fantastic. I would put him then in the four-seed slot, and maybe we get a Cleveland-Miami second-round killer series. Right, as opposed to where I think we might get a first round series where like basically Cleveland just destroys Miami. Which hey, the Cleveland fans would love that. <laughs> yeah. And the Miami fans would be at home anyway, so Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well no, they they'd be they'd be at the game for the first quarter. Or they'd be second quarter. Second they quarter. might show up to Boo LeBron. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I no yeah, I I, I don't know, but I think the problem is like if you show up to Boo LeBron and he lays out he lays he lays down a forty on you, then that, that could be a problem. Well he's gonna do that anyway. <laughs> Are there any other topics you guys want to hit? Have you seen anything that you like in terms of value, uh, Patrick, in terms of the over-unders? In terms of the over-unders, I, 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 like, I actually like both bets on the Hawks. I like the over-under, I like the over, and I also like the 8-1 the, the to one to win the division. I think they're both, you know, I don't think they're super fantastic great bets, but I think they're both pretty good, uh, pretty good winning bets. Yeah, I, I actually like the more I start look at the more I start to look at this, I really like I actually again I, I like the Rockets over bet and I like the Rockets division bet, which is not directly here, but I, but I like it just because of the fact that like I keep looking at this and I keep looking at the guys I rated really highly in the draft and really highly in Europe and like you know hey Daryl Morey signed them all he got he got Joey Dorsey and he got Clint Capella and even though he lost the like he he lost he lost Parsons but he signed Orisa who we really liked last year so I I I kind of like that team. And yeah. there's all this, all this noise coming out that, like, you know, Howard was brought back too early by the Lakers, and he's actually only really fully healthy now for the first time. So there's, there's, I think there's some real value. I think, again, it also comes down to the fact that, like, there's a real shot. That we were joking about this on Twitter, but, you know, they were saying, like, uh, I think it was Sherwood Strauss who was talking about, like, what are the chances that the, that the, the Spurs or Tank, want, like, basically sit out all their starters in one of their national games? And I said, can I take a parlay for all their national games? So basically, like, I, there's a real, I mean, like, I don't know that Pop's going to play anybody more than 29 minutes a game this year. 
right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to stick to the southeast. I agree with your assessment, but um, yeah. I mean, in the southeast, I, I really the only great bet I see is you know the Hawks, those two bets, and yeah, I think, you know I think maybe that... maybe the Hornets over because I feel like forty three is kind of thin, but I, I'm not confident enough to really say okay there's some talent. Yeah. i'm not confident i think i like i like the hack i like the hawks over and i like the hawks for the division i think i think those yeah. are two good ba- i think they're what they, i, they're I feel like more. vegas is pretty damn close to the right odds on everything else and and yeah. well actually no i think yeah. i think vegas's odds are really bad for you uh when it comes to the wizards and the bobcats in the division but i mean you obviously can't take the field unless you are vegas so i mean those aren't those aren't accurate bets, but they're not, certainly not winning bets for you. Yeah. Uh, the, the only other question I had was, what teams in this division do you think would be in the best eight in the West? Anybody? Uh, the best eight in the West? Well, I, I think, think that I think that if any of I think that basically you're talking about the parlay that that Arturo was talking about, right? That if if Wayne Wade you know comes back and and has you know perfect knees all of a sudden and the heat is a 50 win team uh they're they're a good they'd be a good team in the west obviously but that's probably it's not likely to happen but if it did happen it would be the case and i think again with the hawks like if horford stays healthy all year and everything comes together they could be a 50 win team i just i don't think any of the four is likely to be a good team in the west but it could be that there's one team that breaks out and does it I actually said this last year. We talked about this. I don't think the I don't think the Heat would have gotten out of the first round in the in the West last year. And and this might sound controversial, but I mean, like, look at the teams they probably would have seen in the first round. They probably might have been had to go on the road. I don't know that they necessarily get out. I think they might have gotten the Rockets in the first round. I forget. It's either the Rockets or or, or Memphis in, in round one. They wouldn't have gotten it. I don't think they're better than last year. I think everybody else in this division. I mean, I think the question you're asking is, are they better than the Pelicans? Do you th- do you think? Patrick, do you think any of the teams in this division is better than the Pelicans? I think it's close. Okay, the Pelicans are really hard for me because the thing about the Pelicans is you've got you've basically got Anthony Davis who said last year, last year I was great and this year I'm going to be even better. And it's like, how are you going to measure that? I really don't know how to measure how much better Anthony Davis is going to be than he was last year. And he was amazing last year. Well, I, I mean, it's. It, it, to some extent, you're like, well, there's not really a lot of room for him to get that much better. But on the other hand, you're like, well, but he's like, what is he, 22? And, you know, probably one of the best talents uh, in the last 20, 30 years to come into the NBA and just putting up crazy numbers. I mean, it's... And they, they, they added a real center on that team, and they've got yeah. Ryan Anderson, who might be healthy this year. And yeah. There, there's, there's all I like that. I mean, if they were, if if the Pelicans were in this division, I would be picking the Pelicans uh, to possibly win it. I think it would yeah. be. I think the Wizards would be in a dogfight with them the entire season, and yeah. it, and and they might be outclassed if if, if things broke right. So yeah, if, there's a good overbet for you, by the way. The Pelicans are at forty one yeah, and a half in Vegas. I think I think over even and we and I say the Pelicans because Danny and I have talked about this. We love the Pelicans. We don't think they're making the playoffs in the West, right? Yeah, but I think they're winning more than 41 games. <laughs> I, I think they're winning more than 45. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, all I'm saying is the over/unders at yeah. 41 and a half. So who cares if they make the playoffs? There's so, some money so the point is, we don't think we don't think we don't think any of the we don't think any of these teams make the playoffs in the West. Yeah. Like, no. I, I I I think I agree. I think that you know the best case scenario is you get a 50 win team out of here, and it's very likely that a 50 win team barely makes the playoffs in the in the West. Yeah, a fifty-win team in the, in the, the fifty-win team in the uh, in the in, in the West gets the the congratulatory banner and the chance to get killed by the Spurs in round one. 
Yeah. Or Thunder. The Spurs or the Thunder. Or the Clippers. Either it's like either or, or or they get to play the Thunder in a seven game series that they lose. Well no, that's that was the <laughs> that was the weirdest and freakiest seven game series. Like if, if Vince Carter doesn't make that crazy shot, that thing goes five. And and, and people kind of forget that. It's it, it was it's just a weird series. And and again, also Pop was was also not playing anybody more than thirty minutes. So it's it's a weird series. Very strange. And then, no, and, yeah, it, I think that's another thing too. Is it, I wouldn't really put too much credit on the impact of Pop playing twelve man deep because, as you've mentioned many times, Arturo, like spots six through ten in the Spurs roster is a playoff team. Well, no, but I mean, I do think there's a real thing. Like there's a game I remember last season where they were playing the Thunder, and they uh, Pop basically decided in the third quarter he was going to say, he's, "I'm going to try D out on 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 KD to see what happens." He like he he's like, "No, no, Kyle, just sit down, don't worry about it." And, like, they were playing him even, and then, like, the, the, the Thunder started killing him in the third quarter. Like, oh, no, the Thunder are better. It's like, Pop was screwing around with his lineups. He was, like, throwing out, like, defensive lineups to see what the hell would happen. He, he, he actually, like, you could tell he actually did not care about winning the game. He was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to try this stuff out, see, see what I'll do in the playoffs. So it's, it's, that's why I say it's like, it's like, I like that, getting back, I like that Rockets bet because I do think the Rockets are going to be trying to play and win every game, whereas I think San Antonio, they'll be nice when they'll, they'll, just, they'll just be scoring around. Yeah, they might I, win the game, but they'll just be scoring around. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for taking time. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, Dan. Thanks again to Arturo Galetti and Patrick Minton for coming on. You can read both of them at BoxScoreGeek. That's A-R-T-U-R-O-G-A-L-L-E-T-T-I. And you can follow Patrick at MBA Geek. That's as it says, M-B-A-G-E-E-K. Appreciate them both coming on. That is the final one of the six division capsules, if you want to call it that. So that was a lot of fun to do. Have some other great episodes coming up. I actually started a long recording with Arturo Galetti. We are going through the over-unders for all 30 teams. It looks like it'll be a double podcast. Don't know exactly yet. So look for that in the future and have some other ones that I'm working on getting secured and everything like that. So very excited about that. As always, if you have any insight or compliments or whatever to make the show better I always appreciate it you can hit me up at Danny LaRue on Twitter D-A-N-N-Y L-E-R-O-U-X or you can email me Daniel.LaRue at RealGM.com whatever floats your boat I read both and I respond to everything one of those was um, from Lana Carter I, she asked me she thought the music was a little bit loud in the intro so I quieted it down so if you say things like that and I think it's a good idea. I will incorporate it. And so I appreciate all of that feedback that I've gotten. I really do. And so thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Take care and make it a great day. you don't go to geico.com car insurance can be confusing like swedish techno confusing bark bark meow meow dance with me purple cow bark bark meow meow oh you lovely cow 
Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. 